1: Hey, people-centric leaders. We love it when we get feedback from you all as listeners to this wonderful podcast or watchers if you're watching us on YouTube because it is available. You can see me if you're on YouTube. How are you doing out there? So as you listen to this podcast episode and you have ideas, please reach out to us. There's lots of ways to be able to do that. But one listener reached out to us and had a really great question. And this listener told us that he has a little bit of a tendency to micromanage, that he has very specific things he likes his employees to do, specific ways that he likes them to do it. And he has learned from listening to us that maybe that's not the best approach. Maybe you shouldn't micromanage people. Maybe you shouldn't jump in the middle of all the different details of how your people do stuff. Maybe if you give people a little bit of autonomy, people will make good decisions on their own and then they will own those decisions because people own what they help to create. However what he noticed is that there are still some things and very specific things that his people are not doing, even when he gives them ownership that he feels like they should do. And so his question was, when can I lean in and tell people to go do this thing? When can I give orders? When can I manage people? And so we wanted to spend the time today to answer that question. When is it okay just to tell somebody I need you to do this? And when is that micromanaging? So we're going to talk today about the difference between managing and micromanaging and what where is that weird fuzzy line of when do you tell people exactly what to do and what not to do? And so we've got part of our team with us today. We've got the Diana Royalty joining us from Seattle area. Diana, are you have you ever micromanaged
0: that people? Have you ever
1: considered yourself a micromanager?
0: That is my default. Like, yes, <laughs> my default is to micromanage and tell you exactly how you should be doing it. Because frankly, my way is the right way.
1: Well, and thanks for thanks for confessing. This is just a really well laid uh, intervention that we've set up here for this. But tell, tell us a little bit about like, why is that your default? I like that you said that. Why is that your default?
0: Yeah, I think I think I am a very organized, very detailed person. A lot of the work that is put on me is detailed work and there's many steps to it and there is a logical way to go about it. Right. I kind of see my job as the manufacturing, right. You do it this way to get this outcome. And so I definitely feel like I have done this long enough that I know the right way to do it and the most effective way to do it and the most efficient way to do it. And so I genuinely just like poke the holes. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not doing it right. That you forgot this part, which means in five years, you're going to not have this thing that we're going to need. And so do it this way or don't do it at all. And I'm, I just, I, I'm bad at it. That's that I am a micromanager confessed,
1: confessed. Finally, we got her to confess. That's fantastic. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I like that I like that you dove into the mechanism of that, of why that happens. Because nobody comes up and thinks, I'm gonna be a micromanager. Like that's my, my go-to strategy is to be a micromanager. But I like the way that you laid that out. You're really good at your job. You know the things that need to be done. When you see somebody else do it, you're gonna be really good at picking out the things that they're doing that aren't going to turn out as well. And it's just tempting to tell the person all those different things that you see and what's coming up and all the mistakes that they might be making and it takes less time sometimes just to tell them all the things or just to do it yourself. Right. And I
0: feel like if it is messed up, it falls back to me. Right. So if it gets messed up along the way, I'm the one who has to clean up the mess. So, like, I there's even more pressure for me to go in and be like, hey, don't do it that way. Do it this way. You're doing it wrong.
1: I love that. So, you probably have a lot of people that are right now listening to this that are right now chanting your name saying, yes, I. <laughs> Recognize that. Thank you for validating why I do what I do. And we understand it. It's because you're good at what you do. That's why. So don't you don't have to be apologetic for being good at what you do. But we do have to think about how do we motivate people and how do we keep them motivated. So we've also got Ben Roars on with us. Ben's joining us here from in our in our bunker here at our office. Ben, are you is your management style tend to go to micromanager or do you tend to be a different style for manager?
2: Well, I'm just gonna not answer your question, Don, and answer another question that I had in mind, which was, well, it's not even a question, really. I, I thought of, as Diana was talking, I thought of a client that we were just working with who was, was telling us that their company grew really fast. And so for a couple of decades, I think, um, this person's job was to be in the weeds and to manage the details and to fill out the forms and files and submit things to agencies and and not commit fraud and all these sorts of things. And now the company has grown really fast and this person's position needs to be managing managers and managing the whole thing and not being in the weeds. And that's a hard transition. So I think for, for some people who need to manage and not micromanage, um, being in the weeds used to be their job. That used to be what they were supposed to do. They weren't. They weren't doing the wrong thing. Uh, but now they need to change. Now they need to evolve. And so I think sometimes even you know whether micromanaging is or isn't your leadership style across the board. Sometimes you were sort of in that lane, and now things need to change. Sometimes. So I think I think probably a lot of people find there's a transition where they used to be all about the details and now they they got to be not so much about all those details anymore.
1: And there are supervisors that we'll work with and I'll use supervisor, manager, director, executive. If you think about that, that, that journey that supervisors take as a company gets bigger or as they move up the ladder, the supervisors are often way into the details, right? They know all of the process stuff that their departments do. The executive can't be but boy, we sure see a lot of executives that are way in the details and way into the weeds in terms of of managing things and, and running things. And I liked your point too, Ben, about the idea that the reason maybe that's done is because of how important the thing is that you're doing. So you might be doing something like in the case you were talking about, you had somebody that there was regulations that need to be followed. You know, we work a lot in healthcare. Like it's tough to 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 delegate some of that work in healthcare world because your people's lives are at stake and they're really, really important systems. And it's not an area that you do want to make mistakes in. So that's another reason that we are careful about all of this. So, so then as we talk about management styles, our last person on our call today, but not least is our own Matt Griswold, who's going to be facilitating our discussion today. Matt, to my knowledge, you've never managed anything in your life. Am I correct Mm -hmm. when I say that?
3: Yeah. In fact, I can, I, I could bring my wife on right now and she would attest to that at home and work most likely. Right. You know, I go as the wind blows, Don, I go as the wind
1: blows. You um, are free, like an Eagle, right? We were just going over <laughs> right? an assessment that we both took a long time ago. And it said that you and I are co-Eagles. So this Co-
3: Co-Eagles. And we will chase things down that we are excited about and uh, then pass off all the
1: details to Diana uh, yep. to, to iron that out. So Which yeah. Is great. Which is yeah, perfect. Works, which works well, I think, for our team, right? It's another form of micromanagement, right? We're gonna have all these ideas. And if you could just follow all of the ideas. <laughs> it is fun.
3: Don and I use Diana as an example for that. You know, we we I say we kid. She would say, "No, you're not kidding." But for you know, sometimes, sometimes that's probably true. I wanted to start here at this uh, at this idea because this is something that we talk about. There's we're gonna we're gonna bleed into a couple of different areas here too, right? We're gonna we're gonna bleed into this idea of delegation just a little bit. Uh, Stay tuned for more. We're developing a new topic to bring to your conferences and such on delegation. It's even in the form of a workshop if you'd like more of that because it's something that we we struggle we struggle with. But uh, this idea of Don, you said, "Where's the fuzzy line?" And that's true between managing and micromanaging as well diana talked about the reason why i micromanage is because i'm good at those things sometimes though and diana i you can you can uh, disagree or agree but sometimes i think that's the way it starts but then there's another side to that coin too, where all of a sudden I've been micromanaging. What do the employee? Let, let's just feed, spoon feed it. What do the employees look like, or what does your team look like as you are consistently taking those things and doing those things? Because after all, you're good at it. But what are you accidentally, maybe involuntarily building as far as a team looks like as well?
0: You're totally building a team that is relying on you to tell them everything to do.
3: Right, and, and, up,
0: and wait and yeah. say, what do you? What do you want me to do next, Diana? Yeah.
3: And not because they necessarily want to, but you accidentally, I'm not saying that you purposely did that, but you accidentally trained them to do that. And I think there's a point where those micromanagers all of a sudden throw their hands in the air. And sometimes that's when they call us for help is because they're going, I have a team of people that don't care. I have a team of people that are just sitting around on their thumbs waiting for me to do everything. And that's not, that's that you, Some sometimes the answer is you accidentally created that. And so even though you were doing that because you're good at that, you're also, you also, and, and I don't know if it's fair to say this, but you also might be creating your own frustration at the same time. You're creating your own stress because you're doing that. And so I just, I just had a thought and I wanted to get your guys' opinions too, because it is, we might, if we say, where's the line between managing and micromanaging, all four of us might have a different kind of a, a line of where that might be. It's, it's, it's subjective. But one of those that I thought of that I thought I would throw out there for conversation is it might be where are you coming from, from this place of micromanagement? Is it because, uh, is it a place of humility that you're coming from? Like, let me just be helpful. Let me just, I here, I, I understand this. Let me, let me be helpful. Let me take that from you. Or is it coming from this kind of a pessimistic um, mind frame where I don't think you can do the thing. And so I'm going to do the thing for you, or I don't think you could do the thing as well. So I'm going to do the thing for you or make sure that you are doing the thing the way that I need you to do the thing. So how much do you think employees feel where this line might be based on your approach to how you're micromanaging?
0: Well, as the only one who's really confessed to being a micromanager here, I will tell you that there are times where it doesn't matter what my intent is, right? I can go in saying either I'm going to be really helpful or I'm doing this because I know I'm better than you. And it doesn't matter. They still feel like I don't trust them. They still feel like I'm watching every move they make. They still feel like I can't relinquish control of anything. And so regardless of my intent on the matter, it's still how they perceive it. It's not my intent. It's the perception regardless.
1: You know, I didn't confess to it, but I can micromanage in specific situations. And the ones that I know that I I confess to Ben and Philip just this this last week is if we're in a client meeting and I'm in there and there's other people on our team, my brain starts to shift towards whatever the challenges that the client's perceiving or or presenting. And I will get lost in that. And I will sometimes forget what my role is in the discussion. So maybe Ben is leading a client discussion with that team and I'm sitting there and suddenly I'll find myself, oh my gosh, I just took that over. Like, because I, I, I know the direction to take, or I think I do, and I just jump in. So, I don't think it's necessarily for me like I think that Ben or anybody else on our team, or Philip, or Matt, or Diana, or Stephanie, or Bethany are going to make a mistake. I think it's more just because I just get consumed in it. Like, ask me a question that I know the answer to. And sometimes one of the hardest things is not to answer the question. I think that is just a very human nature thing that maybe back in school, I call that if you're old enough, it's the Horshack problem, right? It's from Welcome Back Kata. Remember that guy in the back of the room? I'm using a very, you have to be a certain age to know that one. He sits back in the back of the room and every time he'd ask a question, he'd sit back and go, oh, oh, Mr. Kata, Mr. Kata," And he'd raise his hand like he has an answer to the question. I think we all do that at work, although we don't use that 1970s reference. Yeah. As Diana is clearly judging me right now. (laughs) I saw saw Diana's face too.
0: Super weird reference that I did not understand.
1: Lots Mm -hmm. of judgment there. But the idea is when you know the answer to something, then sometimes we say it. So I've seen managers in a discussion with their team where their team is trying to come up with an answer to something and you see the manager get the answer and then mistakenly like blurt it out and say, this is the answer. And then run down the road, leaving the employees behind, Where if they just took a beat and let the employees work it out, they could solve this. They probably come to the same answer And now you just get, you found an opportunity to build that empowerment amongst your team.
3: You know, Don, you talked about, you know, everybody, you kind of alluded to this, but you, everybody might have a certain amount of micromanaging tendency, depending on the topic or depending on the thing. If it's something that you enjoy or something that you are just naturally good at, then you might tend to be a little bit more involved. We'll just say it like that, not even micromanaging, but a little bit more involved than what you would have been maybe if you didn't really care about the topic or it's not really in your skill set. But let's, let's maybe ask uh, this question or come at it from this way. Like, what if I'm that person? Diana, Diana, you know, self-scribed, like that is me, but you use the word, that's my default. Like that's where I go automatically. What if that, I'm that person? Maybe I'm listening to this podcast right now and you're going, I don't know if I'm, gosh, I hope not. I don't think I am. I don't think I do that. What are some signs that might tell you that you've fallen into this idea of micromanaging and maybe versus just the management part?
2: I
0: think the first sign is that those employees do sit and wait for you to tell them what to do next. I think that's really, it's, what do we call it? Learned helplessness, right? That like, I can't do anything unless you tell me to do it. That's probably an early indication that, that your people are feeling micromanaged.
1: Or, um, they, or they stop bringing you information. Like they stop volunteering things like, yeah. Hey, cause I'm just not even going to bring this up because if I bring this up, you're going to take it away from me. So I'm going to hold stuff back from you. Uh, we've had a, a manager who asked, you know, why do my employees keep stuff from me? Why do they always hide stuff from me? And we turned around and asked that manager and said, what do you think you're doing that's making your employees keep stuff from you? And micromanagement might be one of those types of things. Is if you're always jumping into taking stuff away, I could have the problem 90% solved. And if I ask the manager a question, they're going to take it away from me and then say, okay, now I'm taking credit for the solution. The next time I'm not going to bring I'm not going to bring it up to my manager.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's easy if I'm a manager. OK, so one of those things that maybe point to in my micromanager, you know, like Diana and Don both talked about, maybe they are not bringing those types of things up to you. Maybe they're kind of withdrawn, you know, but but also you might feel it, too. You might feel this feeling as a manager and maybe it's not about the employee's response to you but maybe you feel like, "Dang, I'm doing I'm doing absolutely everything here" or you're starting to lose trust in your your team's ability to be able to accomplish some things. Maybe it's a mental thing that you feel as a manager going, "Um, I can't I don't trust my team enough to be able to give them this or I don't trust my team enough to be able to involve them in that." And maybe if you are that manager that's kind of fallen into Uh, that mindset, that might be a sign for you personally that you have fallen into this area of micromanaging. And maybe we need to start digging out of that, which we can talk about as well. Ben?
2: I was thinking one sign that you aren't micromanaging is if you see an employee do something in a good way that you weren't quite expecting. So if you see that, oh, this person did that really well, and I didn't expect it to be done that way, That's a great surprise. Well, that's a sign that here we're managing and not micromanaging. And if it's been a long, long time since you had that experience of being pleasantly surprised about how somebody did something, then maybe that means that they're doing it exactly the way you specify every single time.
3: Yeah, that's a good that's a good thought too. I think they're, I think from a manager you have to kind of self evaluate and say, okay, how do I view my team? Have I done everything that I can to be able to set my team up for success? Am I frustrated with my team, or do I feel like they're doing they're doing well? And sometimes the frustration can come from something that you've accidentally accidentally created, and you're you're, you're breeding a team that just continually sits and waits for you to do something, as opposed to what Ben just talked about. Maybe they they took the space because you have created the space, and they did something wonderful with that. I
0: hear managers say things like, my team isn't proactive, or they're not thinking about the long term, or they're not solving the problem, right? And it's like, well, they can, they probably can, and there's probably a reason there's not. So I hear those words, and that's when I'm usually like, oh, what are you doing to prevent your team from problem solving and being proactive and looking forward to the future? It's probably a manager thing, not an all-employee thing.
1: Or I think some of the hospitals that we work with is like the example that Ben talked about. There's one hospital that we work with that has launched several major new programs that are absolutely critical to the future of the hospital, and no administrators were heavily involved in the launch of those programs. And then there's other hospitals that we've worked with that every administrator would be involved with the launch of every one of those new programs. And some of that you might be going, well, it depends on the size of the hospital. If it's a really small hospital, then you can't bring it in. That's a little bit true. But I think what's more happening there is what Ben talked about, is if you're doing a good job of allowing people to make decisions and maybe fail even occasionally on some of the smaller things and learn from those failures and take ownership of those and get better, then you're putting yourself in a position when you do have something major to launch, you've got a team that's ready to jump in and help you out.
3: Yeah, I, I I love that. Just kind of doing that that uh, pre work ahead of time. You know, your your job as a manager is to be able to create the the strongest team that I could possibly uh, possibly create. And one of the opportunities to be able to do that is to give them opportunities to either pass or fail at some of the tasks that you have in front of them. Now, I know if especially if our default is micromanaging, sometimes that's a very hard reality to to face. Don, in your opening story, you talked about maybe you can go opposite of micromanaging too far. And there are signs that maybe you have done that as well. So we've been talking about holding too tight with micromanaging. What does the opposite of that look like? And I'm going to help frame this just a little bit. We do another talk where we talk about different leadership styles. And one of those styles is authoritarian, where I don't really need your input. I have a direction. Uh, you're welcome to come along if you would like. Uh, and, and you know, we paint that in kind of a negative light but there is a time to be an authoritarian right there is a th- there is a time to be able to tighten it up just a little bit like you know we use the 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 drastic example of the buildings burning down it's not time for a committee somebody's got to take charge and we got to lead this this you know team out of the building democratic is another leadership style democratic is uh, i want everybody's opinion let's 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 have some meetings especially if i'm about to make a a decision that's going to not only impact my department but somebody else's department i don't want to go roguely and do that let's bring people together see how they feel about it get their input before we make a decision. And then lastly we have is the, is the laissez-faire, just a hands-off approach. And some people might be listening to this going, I don't wanna be a micromanager. And so you're about to go to work right now and real way back just to make sure that you're not being a micromanager because you recognize micromanage, uh, employees that are micromanaged probably are likely to leave. Increased turnover is one of those telltale signs if if you're having people leave at a, re, at a at a regular pace, you might be micromanaging those uh, those folks and so you want to pull it all the way back, laissez faire and there's also downfalls to that. So, what are the what's the difference? What's the opposite of micromanaging and maybe pros and cons to that?
1: Yeah. So humans like throttles, right? And I think this is what you're saying, Matt. It's like, we as people like to think we're all in or we're all back. Like it's a throttle when reality is, is it really should be more of a knob. Like you can turn it a little bit, like I'm managing at a seven right now and maybe I should be at a five or whatever that, that level is. But what we're hearing, and I think what our listener pointed out was that he found out maybe I'm a micromanager, so I'm going to stop managing now. And there's a difference between micromanaging and managing people. You know, micromanaging is I'm going to tell you all of the little things that you need to do during the course of the day. Managing people, though, is just setting expectations and sometimes making decisions within your lane. So we've had people we had and a lot of people are starting to come back to work in terms of working remotely and they want workers to come. And one of the most common questions I've had, is it okay for me to ask my workers to come to the office? Is it okay for me to ask that question? And, you know, and the, answer, the answer is yes, it is okay for you to do that. You have to decide whether that is something, is that the hill you wanna die on or fight on? Is it, why do you want them to come back to the office? All those different things. What are the consequences to that? All those different areas, but it's not micromanaging to ask your employee to do something. But sometimes then the default is the lever, if you switch it the other way, is now I can't have them do anything. Then you see them doing things. You become that laissez-faire manager where I see them making mistakes on a regular basis, but I don't say anything. Or I need you to do something. I need you to give, give you a directive, but I don't tell you to do that. And then you get frustrated. That, what that leads to is you get the, the stories start to diverge between the manager and the employee because the employee is not getting feedback. We know that many managers, one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of managers make is that they don't tell their employees, they don't give their feedback to their employees about what their performance is. So really there is, that's the other extreme is I'm gonna stop managing. I'm not gonna tell you I need to do these things or I'm gonna tell you everything I need you to do. There's a lot of space between those two, two areas.
3: Can we draw another, thanks, Don. Can we draw another parallel here or maybe talk about the differences? Don, we we travel all over the country. We speak at these events. And one of the common themes that we hear from, from business owners to middle managers is they, are, they do not have the ability to be able to hold accountability. And I know I'm going to kind of a different topic, but it kind of bleeds into the same thing. They don't have the ability to be able to hold accountability to the people because they're so in this day and age, they're so worried about people just leaving and so they pull back, they pull way back and we we've had instances and there's probably people listening right now where maybe your organization has an, an attendance policy, but you do not hold any teeth to the attendance policy at all because we're fearful of people of people leaving and that is disrupting the way that that uh, people are actually going about their their business to be able to manage things. So where to because I think people hear the word accountability and and they bleed this term micromanaging into I don't want to be the I don't want to be that person. I want to be kind of, you know, I want to be a cool manager at the same time. Where's the balance, I guess, between managing and accountability and how does micromanagement play into that too?
0: I don't know if I'm going to answer your question fully, but I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second because I'm awesome. pretty excited about this. Right. <laughs> so here's the deal. Some studies have shown that like 70% of people don't lose, leave their job. They leave their manager. So people want good management. They want leaders that care about them. They want leaders that engage them, leaders that motivate them. And here's the deal, guys, you can't manage through policy. So if you're like, oh, we have this policy and we're trying to manage through a policy, it's never going to happen. Stop doing that. Managing through policy is the worst way to manage. It's worse than micromanagement. So like don't manage through a policy. So that accountability isn't through a policy. Accountability is through an individual. You are a manager, manage the accountability. You are a manager, manage the person and the situation. So, and, and, and everyone is different. Everyone wants to be managed differently. So the way that Don manages me is the different than the way Don manages Matt which is also different than the way Don manages Bethany, because we're all individual human beings and we all require something different.
1: No- that, that, that was a good soapbox. I agree <laughs> with that hundred percent. There's organizations and there's not one good example because it doesn't apply universally to all organizations, but I'll use one of like, what time do you need people to show up to the office in the morning? There are some organizations like if you have an office that opens at a certain time and phone calls are going to be start to come in, you need everybody to show up before those phone calls or visitors start to come. Those types of things. If you have an office like ours where we have a flexible schedules and all those those types of things, then it, it having a policy of saying, well, let's say let's say Matt starts to wander in every day at ten o'clock and leaves every day at three o'clock, and we have a flexible office policy. I can change the policy, as Diana said, and say, well, there's a policy now that you have to be to work by eight and you have to leave by, you can't leave until five o'clock. And then you get a one hour lunch. Like we can do that for everybody. But really where the accountability comes in, and I think this is where the management also comes in, is there should be a conversation that occurs. And it's an uncomfortable conversation. And it's a conversation that's designed to create a little tension to say, hey, Matt, I noticed you've been coming in at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're leaving at three o'clock and you're about five hours a day. It doesn't seem like enough time to do all of the things that we need to be doing. Can we talk a little bit about that? And let's dive into that because I think those conversations are really, really important. That is, I think that shows a little bit of the difference between micromanagement and management because the management is, I didn't tell Matt, come in at eight, leave at five. You've lost your privileges for the flexible work environment. I don't have to do that. I have to start by just saying, I see this, I'm observing this. What do you observe? And getting our stories on the same page so that you understand that I don't like that thing that you're doing. So we can start to talk about it. 90% of the time, the other person who doesn't like who you talk to, the employee will hear that and go, Oh, I don't like that you don't like that either. And so now let's start to work to solving it. We did an episode of this podcast, so it was a few, it was back in March. I think it was the accountability and maintaining standards where we talked about a process where somebody had to boop, they had to scan these manufacturers, they had to scan these items in and how you have those conversations. You know, this topic between management and micromanagement is the idea of like, how much do you manage? Where do you get into the details? I think you always want to communicate whether the employee is doing a good job or not. I think you always need to share, yes, this is hitting the standard that we have. I think where you want to be a little bit more flexible on is how that standard is being achieved. And I think you want to back off and dial it more in, dial your management down if you see the employee really taking ownership and moving towards moving in the right direction. Then you can allow them to make some small mistakes and you can allow them to do things. And even if you see them making a small mistake, you can jump in and say, Hey, you know, approach A is, hey, stop, don't do it that way, do it this way. Or part B is you could say, hey, have you noticed, have you thought about this? And just ask a really smart question. That points maybe that they're heading towards a mistake, and then let the employee come up with the shift in direction. It's kind of a nuance, but it's the idea that you don't have to micro you don't have to micromanage to manage people, but you do have to communicate.
3: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you kind of went there. You went to another couple of uh, talking points there, but we've we've talked about this idea of micromanaging micromanaging, but what micromanaging is not kind of where that balance is my job as a manager is to be able to help create a vision is to be able to help help create a standard uh, here's the to-do's that we need to do uh, I think we cross the line into micromanaging is when we say and this is exactly how I need you to do it this is exactly what you're going to do in order to be able to accomplish those things now for some of us especially you Don you used healthcare earlier there are some clearly check boxes that you have to make sure that you are marking because of you know HIPAA and then even beyond that is just so you're getting paid as well we've talked about that quite a bit too where registration might be missing some boxes and nobody's getting paid what's going on so there might be some clear direction this is what i need you to do uh, but but that that's managing that is casting the vision this is why we're doing what we're doing i want to i want you to see the why of what it is that we're doing and i can take a step back and say Okay, but if I were to go a step further and say, let me hold your hand while you're doing this, and make sure check back every two steps and make sure that you're on the right track, now I have crossed that line into this idea of micromanaging. You also talked about, Don, um, you didn't necessarily say it like this, but it was a thought that I had too. We say this all the time, your employees want to help you succeed. They want, they want to do a good job. They want to do a good job for themselves, but they also want to do a good job for you. Everybody wants to know they're doing well. Like if I'm coming from a place that understands my employee is trying to help me succeed in this thing, my employee wants to win. How do I help them win? I think that might also help you not jump into that micromanaging space too, if that's your mindset.
1: You know, Healthcare billing departments are a really good example. If you're not in healthcare, what you should know is if you're going to submit something to insurance, you have to have all of the I's dotted and the T's crossed. You have to collect all of the information. You have to check all of these boxes to be able to do that. And if you're not in that billing space, what you find out behind the scenes is that that process gets messed up a lot. The the person at the front desk will forget to capture a key piece of information, or they won't quite check the box correctly. And then you have to go through this process where you have to go backwards to try to collect something, or maybe you never collect it at all. And so what the mistake that I think we see managers make is not, not understanding the detail that goes into that process, but failure to present to the employees the importance of why they're doing what they're doing and whether they're winning or not. That why piece is what often fails. So what happens is the billing department and billing managers oftentimes will say, I'm gonna make you this huge checklist of all of these things to do. And they hang signs up throughout the office and they do all of the different details, but they never link why they're doing all of those things, why all of that stuff is important. And without that why, all the employees see are all these individual tasks that don't mean anything. But when they start to understand why they're doing it and then whether they're winning on it or not, Then they start to lean into it just as humans and they do a better job of getting through all the details.
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, from the employee that's has this list of to do's that feels stressful, feels burdensome, and you keep coming around to check to see if they've done the thing, but you don't know why they're asking you to do the thing. And, and I mean, ultimately, you can just keep following that path. It leads to frustration on the manager's part, because I keep having to come around and tell you, and you're not doing it. And then from the employee's part, it's like, man, get off. I, I'm, I'm, I'm burned out. I'm gonna leave, uh, because, uh, I'm burned out. I'm checked out. Don't care. I'm gonna go find something else that maybe feeds me just a little bit, uh, just a little bit better.
1: We, we saw that in a billing department that we worked with and they were making frequent mistakes. And we were talking through with the, the, the CEO and saying like, talk about these mistakes and what impact it has and all of that. And they talked about the hundreds of thousands of dollars of services that they had rendered that were unbilled because the insurance company rejected them. And I said, does, do your, does your billing department know that number? And do they know what percentage of things are billed? And so we started to create just a scorecard And it was a simple thing to be able to share. It's not micromanage. That's where you don't have to micromanage. You don't have to tell all the details. You just have to say, we're losing at the end of the day. Think about like a football coach. If you said, okay, running back, you're going to take this. You're going to take the ball. You're going to run to the side. And when somebody comes to tackle you, you're going to juke left. And then when you jump left, I mean, you can't, that's not how you manage. What you're saying is you're, we're behind by three points. There's two minutes left in the game. You have this much to do. Our goal is to get a first down, figure out the rest of it. Uh, that that's the way to manage is we have to share that why and too many times we we shield our employees from that and then we feel like we have to tell our employees the what's all the what's that they have to do to make them successful
3: yeah i like that did you guys want to go in any other lanes here any other questions you want me to uh maybe dive into or do we are we ready for our last piece of maybe what's your takeaway from this episode Looks like takeaway from I the think episode good, here. I think
1: we're good here in, in terms of takeaways, yeah.
3: Yeah, this is what I, exactly what I need you to do. Everybody's going to go around and give a takeaway for, for this topic. 15 seconds, no more. Uh, okay, got it. All right, so who'd like to start? Any Anyone want to start with a takeaway that they have? I'll start. Right.
0: Um, so I love how you dove a little bit into like the different styles of leadership because I think a good leader uses all of those different styles. At different times and with different people and in different situations, a good leader is not always authoritarian or always La by fair or always coaching or always micromanaging or always managing. Right. A good leader assesses the situation and determines what is needed in that moment. And so I think I think the more that you can hone in on your people and what your people need and what each situation might need and kind of how to ask good questions and draw things out of people, the more that you can use all of those different tools at different times, the better manager you're going to be.
3: Thank you, Diana. Next, Ben.
2: I guess I get the sense that uh, rather than trying to figure out what counts as micromanaging and avoid that, or being afraid of, of being hit with the label micromanager, the better way to go is to have a clear idea of what it is to manage. And so Diana was talking about you know, managing people and not managing through policies. And there are a few other components we talked about of what is it to manage. And so if we have a clear idea of what is it to manage and how am I going to manage well, then that's the better thing to focus on and, and to, to steer away from micromanaging just by having a good idea of what is it to manage. And then if that goes off track a little bit here and there, you know the way to correct is by thinking about what is managing. What am I trying to do? How am I trying to manage? And and focusing on that sort of positive track instead of worrying too much about the pitfalls of of what counts as micromanaging and am I micromanaging? Instead, it's just am I managing? Am I uh, am I following the vision of what I'm trying to do and trying to manage? Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Don?
1: Yeah, I would just say, don't fear the label of micromanager so much that you anti-micromanage or anti-manage people, right? So I like how Ben said that just now, is if you think about what you need to manage for your team, uh, that makes you go back to the whys and what the big picture looks like. So I think you have to really define what winning looks like for your team and then really engage people in conversations. I think some of those conversations can be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to approach an employee or somebody that you work with and say, hey, what you're doing is not yielding the results that we need. Can we talk about how we can make that better? But, but I think that's really an important conversation. Sometimes we think, I think it's easier for people to say, don't do that. Now do this and just give the order versus having that conversation. But the conversation is worth it. It's investing time into your team because you are surrounded by smart and capable people as a manager. And if you're not, it's probably something you're doing.
3: Thank you, Don. I th- I think I would add to this and say, understand who you who you have on the team, understand the players that are actually on the team and what those people bring to the table. I think if I'm managing from a from an area of this idea of micromanaging, it might be because maybe I like to hold on to things, but it also might be because I don't have a good grasp on what they can do and what they can't do because we're so involved in the in the the tedious the day to day thing, right? The little bit at a time. And so maybe one of the best things you could do as a manager is to be able to find out a little bit more about your team, whether that's a team builder, team retreat, some sort of a an assessment that says, the, here's the players on the field, here's their strengths. And then as a manager, I get to decide, okay, so what strengths do I have on the team? And then how do I set them up appropriately to be able to help us succeed? I think if you have a good understanding of what they're capable of, what they like to do, that might make you feel more comfortable when actually managing them as that part of the team as well. So hope you enjoyed this topic. If you have other topics that you'd like to filter to us, feel free to reach out. I love it that we started with a listener question, right? And so if you have any other listener questions there, if there's anybody else that might have one, we love the interaction. We love to hear from you, uh, real world scenarios. Most of the feedback that we have, the topics that we discuss are from us actually inside of organizations all over the country, working with them to be able to get these types of illustrations. We see the same types of things over and over again. It's not industry specific. It's it, you're working with people. You're going to run into things like this. And so feel free to reach out to us. We're very approachable. At least I say that most of us, most of us are extremely approachable and we love uh, we love the feedback. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic.
2: Until then... Be well and lead well.